0: We all love Christmas, the songs, the scenes, the traditions, but the story can become too familiar. What if this year we took a look with fresh eyes and Christmas became less sentimental and more sensational? Join us today as we look at Christmas Restoried. We continue on the road to Bethlehem. So far, we have lit the candles of peace and hope. Today we light the candle of love Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. So we light the candle of love. It seeks to shine its light in our hearts. It seeks to shine its light in our city. It seeks to shine its light in our country and in our world. I'll get you to open up to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. We're going to begin reading at verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Um, In January 2018, my wife and I were on a vacation uh, with some good friends of ours in Belize. We were looking for, you know, that mix of adventure, some R&R, and hopefully a chance to create some fun memories with some great people. But we had no idea when we woke up this one particular morning in Belize that by day's end we would be in Guatemala partying backstage the VIP guest of one of the largest rock bands in Latin America. It's a true story. Now, how, you asked, did that happen? Well, let me tell you. It was through a crazy assortment of chance meetings and some spur-of-the-moment opportunities that we said yes to. We said yes when no probably would have been the more prudent thing to say. We said yes when no certainly would have been the easier option. But maybe because we were on vacation and we were feeling a little bit bolder than normal, we said yes. And this yes, these yeses, set off... Um, put into motion a chain uh, of events that I will never forget. And it all began when we were chatting with this one local guy who talked about this incredible town in Guatemala that was on this island in a lake. And he described it as utterly picturesque. It was like a must-see place. And his description was so compelling that we looked at each other and somebody said, do you want to go? And somebody else said, Yes. And so we spontaneously ditched all of our plans for the day. We got in the car, crossed the border, and drove to La Flores, Guatemala. And the town was incredible. It was picturesque. We had a great afternoon. And and the story would have ended there. That would have been a highlight day on our whole trip. But the story doesn't end there. By late afternoon we were like, well, we got to get going. We got to get back to cross the border to Belize. We've got paid for accommodations at the resort there where we're staying tonight. And by the way, the border guards at this rural border crossing warned us, do not try crossing the border after dark because there's all kinds of drug cartel activity in this area. It's very dangerous. So we're like, we should probably get going and get back before dark. So as we were about to leave La Flores, I ducked into this little restaurant to try to find some coffee. And in the restaurant, there was a band that was just finishing up a, a sound check. And while we were waiting for the barista to make all of our coffees, I got chatting with some of the guys in the band. And they spoke great English, and they found out I was Canadian, and, and we two of us had the same guitar. And so we got talking about guitars, and we got talking about you know, uh, Canadian music and the Canadian music scene. And there was this kind of natural affini- uh, 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 um, connection with the lead singer. And he said that his band was playing a little show in this restaurant in a few hours, that we should come, that he would save us a table. And I told him, no, we can't. We got to get back to Belize. And he said, oh, that's too bad because tonight's a national holiday in Guatemala. It's probably the most festive night of the year. This is the place you want to be tonight. And we said, no, really, we got to get back, drug cartel and all that stuff. And and, uh, so we got in the car, and we started driving back to Belize. And as we were driving, we were talking about just how great this day was, how unexpectedly surprising this day was. And somebody said, you know, I would have really liked to have seen that band. And somebody said, well, you know, we could always stay and just pay for another room and go back tomorrow. And somebody said, should we? And somebody else said, yes, we should. And so we turned around, and we went and watched this band play this intimate little show at this little restaurant, which turns out was only for family and friends. It was kind of this private concert that they were given. And they were incredible. The music was so good that after their little show was done, we went up to congratulate the lead singer, and he said, Hey, we're actually playing in the city tonight. It's our big show. You should come. And again, we said, well, no, it's dark, we don't know the way, we don't know the city, we don't have tickets, and he said, don't worry about any of that, hop in with us, and our bus driver will drop you back off after the show. And so we said, we said, yes, why not? We don't know these guys, let's hop in with them. And so we hopped in their band bus which should have been a clue that this was not a garage band like we thought they were. We hopped in their tour bus, and as we're driving, we pull up to a soccer stadium that is packed with thousands upon thousands of people. And security ushered the band and us four gobsmacked Canadians backstage. And five minutes later, our newfound friends took to the stage as a headline act and electrified the crowd. And we were, like, stunned. And I said to somebody, like, who are these guys? And he looked at me, he's like, well, they're the the biggest band in Guatemala, like, duh. Like, we had no So we started Googling them, and sure enough, they're, like, huge in Latin America. Now... There may or may not be pictures of your pastor up on stage dancing in front of, but don't ask for them because those are strictly prohibited from me ever showing anybody. But they are a testament to one of the most memorable, fun night of our lives. All because a series of yeses opened up some doors to opportunities that we could never have imagined. That's the power of a yes. Yeses invite new opportunities. No, on the other hand, no as is better at laying down firm boundaries. No is better at shutting down prospects. No preserves the status quo, which sometimes is important, of course. But yeses, yeses uniquely position us for something new and something Different like think how many of the big moments in your life were preceded with a yes Your marriage began with a yes, do you take this woman? Yes, I do Any major career change that you had began with a courageous yes at a new opportunity your spiritual transformation began with you saying yes to the invitation of faith, which opened you up to a whole new set of possibilities and opportunities. And that is why great stories, that's why the best stories seem to move forward on yeses. And the Christmas story is no exception. We are here talking about the power and the potential of Christmas because of some courageous yeses that were made 2,000 years ago. The first and greatest yes, of course, was that of Jesus Christ. You see, the possibility of Christmas began with the yes of the Son to the Father's plan to save humanity. When When I think about the heavenly events that kind of led up to the birth of Jesus, I I like to imagine the Trinity all together at at some like heavenly airport before the Son is about to depart and leave and go to earth. And I can picture the Father putting his hand on his Son's shoulder and his eyes misty eyed and, and his voice trembling. And he says to his son, you're going to have to remember who you are. You're my beloved son. And the spirit comes to the other side of him. And his voice quaking, he says, you're going to have to listen to me. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to let me lead you. You're going to have to let me guide you so that I can empower you. And while the angelic hosts are probably abuzz at the the enormity of the amazing thing that's about to happen, that the son is about to become a baby, there is in the Trinity this underlying grief. Because the perfect communion that they've shared for all eternity is about to be broken in the most horrific way possible. For they know that a cross is coming. And and so the father, with his voice cracking, says, you know, son, to save them, I'm going to have to turn my back on you. I'm going to have to crush you when you pay for their sin. And the son nods. And the Spirit, who is the comforter, says with trembling lips, you know, on that terrible day, I'm not going to be able to comfort you. I'm not going to be able to lighten your load. You're going to feel like you're abandoned. And Jesus says, yes, I know. And I imagine them clutching each other until the Father says, okay, okay, son, it's time. Are you ready? Are you willing? And Jesus says, yes. And in that moment, in that moment, the second person of the Trinity is born a baby. You see, Christmas begins with the most incredible yes. Think of everything that he said yes to. He said yes to fusing his divine nature to our humanity. He wasn't pretending to be human. He actually fused his divinity to our humanity. He said yes to leaving the splendor of heaven to come down to earth. He said yes to all the hardships that he would endure. He said yes to coming to serve rather than be served. He said yes to being misunderstood and and mistreated. He said yes to Gethsemane and all the horrors of the the cup of God's wrath for sin that he would have to drink down to the bitter dregs. He said yes to the crown of thorns. He said yes to the nails. He said yes to the agony of the cross. He said yes to pain for our sin. He said yes to going to the other side of death and back again. He said yes to being your advocate, your savior forever. Somebody give me an amen. His yes was yes to all of that. See, the Christmas story, the hope of eternity, rests on Jesus Christ being willing to embrace it all. And to it, Jesus said yes. But his wasn't the only yes. You see, God's story moved forward through some other yeses, yeses of minor characters, but whose yeses were also vital to what God was doing. God's plan established before the foundation of the world broke into humanity's story with Mary's yes. When the angel approached her and said these words, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Mary answered, May it be to me as you have said, or yes. And and friends, those might be the most beautiful the most consequential words of faith ever uttered, yes. She said yes, even though that yes would come at a cost. Her yes would bring sorrow into her life for sure. Nails and spears shall pierce him through the cross he bore for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Her yes would bring a grief that only a mother's heart can understand. Her yes also might mean immediate humiliation and rejection. Uh, An unplanned pregnancy, not great for her relational status with Joseph. Not great for her future marriage prospects prospects if he dumps her. She can't control the flood of no's that might come at her. Because of this one, yes. But still, in spite of all the reasons to say no, this girl of remarkable faith trusted that God is at work in the things that she can't see, control, understand, or maybe even imagine. And in a flash of power, God's story broke into her womb and our world with her, yes. Amazing. Joseph who joined us on stage he also said yes and like Mary's his yes came at a cost now his cost might even be a bit more raw and painful than hers because he's discovered his fiance is pregnant even though he's never slept with her which is not a great detail that helps the wedding planning Right, No dude likes to pick out the cake or decide on the centerpieces when your fiancé is carrying somebody else's kid. So put yourself in his shoes for a minute. Think of the hurt he feels, the devastation to his pride, all his excitement and expectation for his life with Mary all destroyed. Poor Joseph probably can't decide whether he wants to cry or punch a hole in the drywall. but we read that Joseph was a righteous man, a principled man, a man of character. And so in spite of the pain and the humiliation, he doesn't want to shame her or publicly humiliate her, and so he's going to quietly put an end to the formality of their engagement and just close this whole painful saga. But God, in his grace, knows that if Joseph knew what God was up to, he wouldn't say no to Mary. He'd say yes. And so God gifts Joseph with a special grace to help him choose and live into what his heart would long for. And so God meets him through an angel in a dream. And we read that in his dream, the angel says to him, Joseph, don't be afraid, which means he was He was afraid about the future. He was afraid of the situation he was in. He was afraid of this moment. And so the angel, in effect, says, I know you're afraid. I know you're afraid to take Mary as your wife, but don't let your fear keep you from acting faithfully. Don't let fear keep you from joining in what God is doing. Don't let fear steal your yes to Mary or to me. I love this part of the Christmas story because Joseph is kind of this overlooked character in the whole drama because he doesn't say a whole lot. But the angel comes to Joseph, and this is a part that I love. The angel comes to Joseph because he too has an important part to play. Like God plans have Joseph in it. Like Mary's gonna need him. Jesus is gonna need him too. Joseph is going to help move God's story forward. And so the angel tells him this baby isn't a result of some fling or some one-night stand. This baby is utterly unique, conceived by the Spirit of God for a very unique purpose. He will save his people, including you, Joe, from their sins. That's heavy. Now maybe... Maybe that dream was enough for Joseph. Maybe he woke up in the morning, and he stretched, and he wiped the sleep from his eye, and he phoned up Mary, and he says, hey, start painting the nursery, I'm in. I suspect what was going on in his heart was a bit messier than that. I suspect that as Mary's belly started to show, and as people started doing the math calculation from their wedding day to how big she was, the inevitable cruel speculation and gossip started is he the father or isn't he isn't he let's wait to see what he looks like i bet joseph had to keep saying yes to who he was called to be Mary's husband, this baby's protector. And even though it wasn't easy, even though it also came at a cost, even though there were probably times where he second-guessed his sanity and himself. Did an angel really show up in my dream or was that the bad falafel I had the night before? Because the angel said, a virgin is pregnant and I'm going to be the surrogate dad. That is crazy. He said yes to it, yet he chose to trust the angel, trust what God was doing, and he said yes, and we are here all these years later talking about him because he did. His yes was another crucial piece in a series of collaborative yeses between God and between ordinary people, The yes of the eternal son is united to the yeses of a teenage Jewish girl and and some Jewish tradesman. And together they write a God-sized story of life and healing and hope and love. And this has always been God's way of working. Paul, the apostle Paul, man, he he just drops this bombshell of a verse where he sums up everything that we're about in just these few words. He says this, the righteous will live by faith. He said that the, the defining quality of people who are immersed in God's story is a continuous faith that defines their life choices. So perhaps you can say it this way. The journey of faith, the journey that you are on is the ongoing experience of saying yes to God. Saying yes to his promptings and saying yes to his promises. This is how we live. Now I say that knowing that our yeses to God are not any easier for us than they were our spiritual ancestors. For saying yes to God throughout his story always feels like risk. It always comes at a cost. Saying no always seems to be easier in the moment, but faith is the action of resisting fear and giving, yes, to our God. And this has always been the way of faith. In fact, all the co- characters in God's story hold this one thing in common that before them, God opens up this window of opportunity and He gives them the option to step through it. And they say yes, even though it's risky even though it'll cost them, they say yes. Think of Abraham. Abraham called by God to leave his home and everything that he knows, to go to a new land where there's no Expedia to book accommodations, and there's no Google Maps to find his way there. He is literally heading into the unknown because the voice of the invisible God told him to leave everything that was visible and he goes faithing on the promise that God will be with him and bless him. You don't think Abraham could come up with a whole list of reasons why it might be smarter to stay put in Ur? Of course he could. What about Moses? Moses is invited to go back home to Egypt after he fled to lead God's people back to freedom. He's invited to go back to Egypt where there's wanted posters with his face saying dead or, alive, dead or alive hanging in every post office in the country. And he doesn't go back to Egypt to kind of lay low incognito. He's called to march right into Pharaoh's palace and say, by the way, you need to let the Jewish people go. Knowing that this will devastate the Egyptian economy, which runs on slavery, by the way. So pretty big ask. You don't think that Moses doing this recognizes that there could be a risk to his lifespan by saying yes? That things would get really messy really quick, and yet he does. Why? Because the righteous live saying yes to God. What about David? All 98 pounds of him, squeaky voice, acne, he puts his life on the line to fight a human ogre like a professional killer in a duel that seems like certain suicide. At the opportunity, David doesn't cower or say, fight Goliath, not a chance. He says, yes, because the righteous will live by saying yes to God. What about Esther? who confronts evil in the highest places of authority. She's just one of, of, of hundreds in King Xerxes' harem. If she ticks him off, she'll get eliminated like that. But when she's challenged to confront Xerxes in his throne room to plead for the justice of her people who are being persecuted, it's obvious to everyone, including her, that saying no would be easier, would be safer, would be more prudent for her well-being. But she didn't, did she? Why? Because the righteous will live saying yes to God. I could go on and on. Let's just do one more. What about Peter? Sometimes when we read the Gospels and they move along at such a clip, we forget the real-world implications that were weighing on the characters in the Gospel narrative. Like when When Jesus goes to Peter, Peter, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In in our mind, you see Peter just toss aside his work gloves and tear off after Jesus. But what you don't see is Peter's dad saying, Pete, what are you doing? Like This is a family business. I've I've built this for you. This This is how we feed our family. We fish for fish. You don't see Peter's wife saying, what do you mean? No more paycheck. You're going to follow this guy around learning to fish for men? We forget the struggles that come with saying yes, but those struggles are as real as the invitation that Jesus gives, but in spite of all the reasons that Peter has to say no, he gives Jesus his yes. Why? Because the righteous will live saying yes to God. Are you getting it? There is no other way. There's no other way then, there's no other way now. The story of what God wants to do in your life and in your family and in this church and in this city moves forward or stalls out depending on how the people of God choose to live by faith or not. Choose to say yes to God or excuses why they're gonna say, I don't think so, not right now, maybe later. God unfolds his sovereign plan and moves history forward through the yeses of his people like in the Christmas story. Which is why, friends, your yeses carry more potential than you could imagine. Um, I heard a story told from several sources about a group of young men. a, A group of men, sorry. They weren't that young at the time. Uh, a group of men in some churches who felt the nudge from God to invest in some young teenage boys in their church. Now, I don't know if that nudge came from a particularly powerful sermon or a need that was seen or a leader invited them into this opportunity. However it came to them, these men in this church said yes to investing in some of the young teens in their church. Even though yes meant they had to share some of their limited valuable time with these high energy kind of off the wall boys. Even though yes meant less time for themselves doing the things that they really loved. They said yes. And they took these boys camping and hiking. They played pool and they talked about faith. They, They opened up their homes and they opened up their hearts and they invited these young teens in. And as these boys grew older They became men who had a full life of following Jesus. And three of them, looking back, say that these men's choice to say yes, to invest and disciple them, became the critical component in them knowing, experiencing, and loving Jesus more. And perhaps you've heard about those three teens, now men. Their names are Brian Joyce, Steve Sunby, David Harita. And the church where those men said yes was central, was here. And the number, the number of lives that have been impacted for Jesus, the number of stories of grace that have been rewritten because of Brian, Steve, and David is too high to count. But we can count the yeses that took place that made it all happen, can't we? When followers of Jesus take our calling and our commitment so serious, even the hard ones, even the ones that cost us, and still give our yes to God, I believe what God does is with a smile on his face, he rolls up his sleeves and he says, okay, now watch this. Watch what my kingdom can do to your little yes. To seal a phrase from my friend Jordan who's up there in the cheap seats, Jordan says this, our yes is the invitation of God that moves us into the adventure of God. You want to experience Christmas. You want to experience Advent. You say yes to God and get into the adventure of God. Worship team, you guys want to come on up. Let me close with this. Let me ask you, where do you need to say yes? Like where is the Spirit of God inviting you? Where is he probing? Where is he nudging you? Where is he challenging you into a next step of faith or obedience? Is there something that you know God is calling you to do that you keep on hesitating? That you keep tabling or hoping the call will pass or maybe the task will get easier or a more opportune time will show itself. If you think it is God, don't wait. There's too much at stake. Give him your yes. Is there a new level of vulnerability that spirit wants to lead you into? Like, like maybe you wrestle with a sin that just has your number. Like it has you on speed dial. And as much as you hate it, you can't seem to break free from it. Might you actually practice what scripture teaches and invite another Christ follower into your suffering to confess your sin, ask for help, ask for support and encouragement and accountability. Man, what is on the other side of that yes for you? Everything that God has for you. Is there a person that you need to forgive, but you keep holding back and saying no? Is there a need that you see that God might be calling you to be part of the solution? Where is one area, one opportunity, one call, one invitation from the Spirit of God that is impressing on you? Central, may you lift your eyes up to Jesus. May he grab hold of the vision of your heart. May you see his yes for you, at Christmas and may you see the power residing in your yes to him and might you give it to him today. We want to take a moment to thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us on Sunday mornings in person or online. For more information about who we are and what's happening at the church, visit us online at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Church Victoria podcast.